Hello. Before we get started with the show, I wanted to talk to you about uh, something that's near and dear to my heart, and that is sleep. I travel a great deal. I travel all around the world. I just got back from Kiev, crossing the Moldovan border. And the thing I always look forward to is getting back to my uh, king-size bed with my MyPillow mattress topper installed on the top. Now, I like a firm mattress because uh, I have back problems from uh, a long time ago uh, playing sports in high school. I love my firm mattress with the MyPillow mattress topper on top. You get the firmness, but also it's like sleeping on a firm cloud. I really can't explain it, but it is the most comfortable sleep I have ever experienced in my life, and I can't wait to get back to it every time I travel. If you go to MyPillow right now with promo code CDM, you can get a 50% discount on the mattress toppers. Uh, Mike Lindell is giving out amazing discounts right now. Uh, get them while they last. Use promo code CDM at MyPillow.com and get the MyPillow mattress topper, the best sleep you will ever experience. Thank you very much. Now on to our guest. So to continue our global conversations about the medical freedom that's happening all over the world and people waking up today, tonight we're with Senator Malcolm Roberts, who has been in the Senate in Australia for about almost a little over four years. Is that right, Malcolm? Correct. That's correct, Christine. Yeah, well, welcome to the show and, and uh, thank you for joining us. And, and let's just get dive into the conversation about this. I mean, tell us what has been going on in Australia for the last two years to set the climate and the landscape for everything. Okay, I'll, I'll, I'll set the context. We first heard about this in uh, early 2020, uh, same as you guys, when we saw pictures in our media of supposedly, reportedly, tens of thousands of people dying in Italy, France, Spain, China, etc. And, and people were, were very concerned. So they set the scene that way. And then it arrived in Australia and we had our first single day emergency session of the Senate. It was all, you know, hyped up. Um, and we were uncertain, so therefore we had to play, uh, give the benefit of the doubt because of the uncertainty. Mm -hmm. So I can remember the first single day, we could only have a one-day session because we had to minimize the contact with each other and all this kind of stuff. And in that first session, I said to the government, our party is going to give you all the cash you need, get on with the job because we don't know the facts yet, but we have to treat it because of the deaths overseas, reported deaths overseas. Uh, with great uncertainty, great risk. Therefore, get on with the job. But, and we said three things. First of all, we want the data. Mm -hmm. Secondly, we want a comprehensive plan for managing the virus. Thirdly, um, we will hold you accountable. And then I said, while I'm on my feet, have a look at Taiwan because they're managing it spectacularly well. Mm -hmm. And for, and fifthly, fifthly, have a look at Monash University in Australia, which is in Melbourne, where they're doing very promising, getting very promising results for trials, in vitro trials of, of ivermectin. So then the following month, they had a second tranche of, um, of uh, bills coming through, and that involved subsidizing or compensating companies to keep their employment going. Remember that these restrictions that were invoked were government restrictions, had nothing to do with COVID. Everyone talks about the COVID did this, COVID did that. Absolute rubbish. The government did these things. So they still hadn't given us any information, but I said, okay, we, we have to do the same things. Just give you the money for, to compensate businesses that you're shutting down. The federal government didn't shut down businesses. The federal liberal nationals coalition, which is supposedly conservative, was working with the state labor party, which is so, supposedly socialist. Mm -hmm. They were working together hand in hand. The federal funded them. 
and the states enacted these restrictions largely. There were some federal restrictions. And I said the same things again. Hold, give me the data, give us a plan, we will hold you accountable, and uh, ivermectin trials, and also uh, Taiwan. Now, just to set the scene, Taiwan, in the first 12 months, did not lock down and stop international travel, did not lock down their, 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 their country. They invoked proper measures for managing a virus, which is testing, tracing, and quarantining. Not locking down everyone, but quarantining the sick and the vulnerable. That's exactly what should happen. They had other procedures as well. But they, in the first 12 months, without any lockdowns and while maintaining international exchanges with China, where the virus supposedly started, they had seven deaths, seven. Mm -hmm. Our country, which totally gutted the, the economy, shut down people, did the very worst thing they could possibly do, locked down everyone, had a thousand. You had some draconian, because I was talking to friends of mine that were in uh, New South Wales as well as in, you know, in Victoria. And it was amazing in terms of the shutdowns for weeks and months on end. I mean, well, we, we can. Yeah, you can talk more about that. I think Melbourne, uh, our second largest city, was the most locked down city in the world. Mm -hmm. uh, Perth, uh, Western Australia, has been the most locked down state in the world. So we can come back to that in a minute. So then in about May or June, I wrote to the Prime Minister and I wrote to my state Premier and asked them for the evidence. Joint letter sent to both of them. They both dished up crap back to me. Not, no real evidence at all. So then in August, October, August, October, I sent them another letter holding them accountable. No evidence again. And Christine, you, you would understand that when a country is threatened by an external force, whether it be a country uh, waging war or a pandemic, by the way, I never use the word pandemic with this. There is no, it, there's no deadly pandemic here. And I'll explain that in a minute. But when you've got an external threat, the governments love it because they use fear and they use control and they shut down any any forms of dissenting speech. Now, right. the media here was coll was colluding with the governments right from the start, pushing the same narrative. Only one story. And That's so right. you, you had to, we had to be very careful to not get people offside because with us. So we had to be measured in our comments. But once it had been going for, I know we questioned them. We talked about ivermectin. I got I got banned off YouTube a couple of times. We started working out some of the connections, like Bill Gates, um, sorry, Google, or Alphabet owns twelve percent of the makers of AstraZeneca. Mm -hmm. Google was shutting down any opposition in the form of ivermectin to suppress right. the the uh, competition. So you're aware of that. So then around about March, we have what. Um, what is known as Senate estimates hearings, where the senators can ask questions of senior bureaucrats and ministers, what you would call secretaries of departments. Mm -hmm. And I said to the I said to the chief medical officer for the federal government, I said to the head of the Therapeutic Goods Administration, which is I think the equivalent of your FDA, it approves approves um, treatments. Mm -hmm. And I said to our federal health secretary, health department secretary, all three of them, I want some uh, evidence. I want the data because we're not getting it anywhere else. And so I said to them, I want the data that shows the severity of this virus and I want to know the transmissibility. I want not only absolute numbers, I want it relative to past severe flus. And I got it back. And there was a graph. And Christine, the transmissibility was shown as pretty high. Well, no more so than some past flus, no more so than some colds. 
but it's, it's high transmissibility. Okay, I get that. Now, severity, they said in their own graph, was low to moderate, not severe, not high. The chief medical officer's own data showed me that it was low to moderate severity, less than some past seasonal flus. So and how did, the they, how did they justify their actions, Senator, in terms of shutting the, if, if it's not more severe than some seasonal flus, what was their justification? I mean, who are they listening to? I know here in the United States, they're listening to, you know, Fauci, who, I mean, I, I say this now, but every time Fauci opens up his mouth, it's a piece of evidence of a lie. Uh, because he has said- He's, in, in my opinion, after reading Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book, The, the Real Anthony Fauci, I, in my opinion, Fauci is a genocidal maniac. Well, He's making a lot of money at this on the side. Bobby Kennedy is a good friend. I tell everybody to read his book. I tell everybody to read Empire of Pain because the, the, uh, that's about the Sackler family that created the Oxycontin epidemic all over the world. And it gives yeah. a history of how... The, some of these pharmaceutical companies actually create their own journals that lie. They're like PR hacks yep. for the pharmaceutical companies. How much of, um, I, mean, I mean, Bobby's book goes into great, great depth. He's working on a second one. I can tell you that uh, we were could, with could you pass on our Could you pass on our regards, please? And our really sincere admiration. That man has done the world a huge service. I read his book. I, I ordered it in September. It was so popular that I still haven't got my paper copy, but I then got it. Our office manager got it off the internet. Um, and, and that book had me captivated. I just read it from cover to cover mm -hmm. uh, and, and made, made notes. And it's just stunning. I mean, it is, it is stunning. I, I had I read it the first time and and with my trafficking background, because I'm looking at this as a medical trafficking uh, story. So you should be. And, and, and it's corruption. And I read Bobby's book uh, the first time and I was mad. The second time I was morally outraged. And so, you know, it, it is it, it's a wealth of information and it's all very well documented. And there's a history here that puts it and what people don't understand uh, that is Christine Grady who is Fauci's wife, is the head of clinical trials at NIH on the ethical yep, side of it. I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a family business is what it is. On, there on there are three business. words that I associate with this, this whole thing, Christine. Certainly not with Bobby Kennedy, with Robert Kennedy. Robert has done a, an amazing job. Humanity owes him a, a, a huge debt, a huge debt of gratitude. There are three words, though, for what the FDA, the US, the Australia, um, the World Economic Forum, the United Nations World Health Organization. There are three words, deceit. The whole thing is a gigantic deceit. It is mm -hmm. a lie from start to finish, riddled with corruption. The second word is money. There is an enormous wealth transfer going on. The third word is control. The money pales compared to the control, which we can talk about, but that control mm -hmm. is pervasive. And, and this is nothing new. I don't know if I can hold this up. Oh, yes. Earth, the Agenda 21. Yes, I've read that. Yep. Mm -hmm. So so that, you know, they have, I won't go into the detail because there's so much to talk about with, with, this, um, with this virus, but this is part of a calculated way of controlling the whole damn population of the planet. It mm -hmm. is about putting in place, as the UN has said, even Edenhofer said, Christine Figueres has said, Marie Strong has said, 
they want to put in place an unelected socialist global governance. And people say that's fanciful. It's not. They're no, doing it's it. It's not. It, it, it is in motion. It's, <clears throat> it's not an idea. It's not a conspiracy. It actually is in motion, and it's in motion this month. Uh, and there's many people worldwide. I remember when the um, Canada truckers rolled in, <clears throat> we had camera crews uh, coming with the truckers going into Ottawa. We had them on the ground. They were feeding us footage out. They were saying it was such a nice party. And yet you have, uh, you know, Trudeau and his deputy minister, Friedlander, make the announcement that they were going to seize the bank accounts. To me, at my age, covering the world in terms of politics, that was a game changer for me. And I thought to myself, wow, we do that in wars, but we don't do this. We don't do this to the populations, the citizens. But they Sorry. did find out that that was a, that was an overreach because then the people on the highways, as well as the overpasses, who were not even in Ottawa but cheered on the truckers, they were in fear of getting their money, their, yeah. their bank accounts frozen, their mortgages weren't going to be paid, um, and so they were doing a run on the banks. And five days later, all of a sudden, the banking industry went to Trudeau and his leadership and said, "This is not a really good idea," because yep. people were. Well, that's that's all part of a larger plan, which we're which we're facing off here in Australia. But let, let's continue with with showing some of the. So that that's a bit of the context. So right. We, be, we became alarmed, um, and and so when you challenge the them, when you challenge them, Senator, did did they come back to you and and ever admit that maybe their actions at the federal government and at the state governments was out of line with what the data presented because it was not as severe. No, they never did. They never did. Um, they kept denying things. They kept telling us lies. But um, I, I put together a list of uh, 33 things that have happened for the first time in our country or, or, or potentially the first time in the country. Most of them are actually first time. So I'll just go through some of them because go they give, give people a flavor of, of how corrupt this is and how, how well planned it is. Um, the first one I took from Robert Kennedy, the rest we just compiled. But Robert Kennedy said, this is the first time a society has sacrificed its young for on behalf of the elderly. Mm -hmm. but, but Christine, every animal species, the young are put as, under, under protection because they're the, they're the future of the species. That's how the species right. is propagated. Every human society, apart from a sick one, has done exactly the same thing. This is the first time. But what's even more telling is that in Australia, at least, and I think in your country as well, in many Western countries, the elderly have not been protected. They Good. have been abandoned. There's been no proper plan, which I'll come to in a minute. Um, then the second first is that this is the first time a government has forcibly, and I say forcibly, um, they have coerced people, threatened them with, you can't feed your child. If you want to feed your child, you continue working. If you want to continue working, you'll, you'll take this injection. Forcibly mm -hmm. injected people with something that can kill them and is killing them by the thousands. With taxpayers' money. With taxpayers' Correct. money. It's insanity. The, 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 we pay the government. The government tells us what to do. They buy, the, they buy these shots, and then they tell us that it's mandatory. Or and, you lose your job. Yep, and, and your livelihood and your children's ability to be fed. Um, but the third thing is there are so many uh, examples of these this kind of event. Um, there is, I've been exposing the, the climate scam. It's, it's another scam that's been concocted by the UN over many decades. And, and there's no evidence for it. I can go, go into that separately. That there's, there's, it's comprehensive. We have now got them nailed down on that. But the climate scam is invisible. 
the virus is invisible. They're using that with both with fear and guilt to move people. They're, they're, they're millennia, uh, sorry, essential old tactics that, that unscrupulous politicians use. So the third, third first that's ever happened, this is the first time a government in this country has with, with, withheld from the sick a proven, safe, effective, affordable, accessible treatment, ivermectin, hydroxychloroquine. If a doctor prescribed iver, uh, hydroxychloroquine in my state of Queensland, they will face six months jail. Now, that's suddenly Incredible. been removed. But this is the, our health minister, who is a graduate of the World Economic Forum's Young Global Leaders Program and what's who was name? a member of Greg, Greg Hunt. Greg Hunt. Greg Hunt. He's Hunt. only got a few days left. He, he will be dismissed once the election's over because he's not standing again. He's not standing for election. He's running. So uh, it's, he was director of strategy for the World Economic Forum 2000 and 2001. The man's a globalist. Here's what he said. This is a quote from him. Very early on, uh, with regard to the injections, I don't call them vaccines. They're not vaccines. They don't give you immunity. They're injections. They're experimental gene therapy treatments, unproven. He said, quote, the world is engaged in the largest clinical vaccination trial. You cannot mandate anything with regard to violating someone's bodily integrity, bodily autonomy, even if it's proven, let alone an experimental treatment that has got so many questions around it and that has not been tested. It's never been tested in this country. We rely upon the criminals at Pfizer for their word for it. Pfizer, I, I exposed them at, at uh, Senate Estimates. I said to our chief medical officer, Pfizer and, and the head of the Therapeutic Goods Administration, Pfizer has been fined $2.4 billion for telling lies about its products. Oh, but the, the, that wasn't about their testing. I said, you're taking their word for them and you're telling me that that's integrity? Come on. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, not being tested. This is the, the another first is that this has been a, a massive wealth transfer of $8 billion from taxpayers to big pharma. And what's more, Christine, we have asked questions in Senate estimates from our, of our government saying, where is the contract? We want to see the contract. Oh, that's have you have oh, you seen it? Have you no, seen it? We've, no. we've been collecting some of the contracts for the U.S. pharmaceutical companies where they're distributing overseas. We don't, I, you know, I'm not going to tell you we have hundreds. Okay, we don't, but we're taking a look at it. And we're talking to people who 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 have been inside the room, and they're quite draconian. They're quite they're quite in the form of economic coercion by the CCP in China. Mm. Yep. Um, so we'd love to see if you get anything on Australia. The the next point is that. We have state governments in particular have trampled human rights, trampled their own human rights legislation, set it aside, trampled basic freedoms, uh, trampled the, the things that we take for, for granted in our country, the basic freedoms, the livelihoods, lifestyle. We've got a wonderful lifestyle here. Uh, they've all been set aside based upon emergency declarations of a health bureaucrat that is not held accountable. Mm -hmm. And so that they are they are completely breaking the laws but it's all now legitimate because of the emergency declarations and yet towards the end of, of the um towards in recent months they've been saying while main, maintaining all the mandates and a lot of the controls they've been saying we now need to live with the virus well if we have to live with the virus it's not an emergency it's standard practice so there, there's so many contradictions so many absurdities so many dishonesties so many so much fraud um, 
We've had state premiers treating human rights and freedoms as something to be withdrawn and then mm. resold back to the people, providing the people jump through the hoops. We've seen governments bypassing for the first time informed consent and replacing with coercion. Nurses, we've seen, you know this, Christine, nurses are every day checking informed consent with their patients. And yet they were forced to be injected without informed consent. We've had, we've had a health system that's riddled with over over uh, with stress now because we've got we've got ambulances keeping patients in in the ambulance because there's no room in the hospitals because of the injection injuries, and and at the same time we're we're suspending nurses who refuse to get these experimental gene therapy treatments. So this is not about safety. It's not about health. It's about control. Um, We've got doctors and nurses refuse, who, who are being coerced into not reporting injection injuries, mm. who are refusing to give patients honest advice. The patients now, when they go to their doctor, they're not de dealing with their doctor. They're dealing with the Australian Health Prudential Regulatory Agency behind the doctor. They, these people were removed from parliamentary accountability in 2010 so we are seeing these people run roughshod over the doctors, threatening them, bullying them, actually deregistering doctors that have done their job and given honest advice about the injections, for honestly reporting vaccine injuries, injection injuries, and yet we can't hold them accountable for that. We've seen health, health professionals stood down when the government says healthcare is under threat. We're seeing parental consent, informed consent to inject the children being bypassed. Children as young as 12 are now able to be declared by, by a, a medical practitioner as having sufficient maturity to make an informed decision on their own injections. Um, Parental seen, rights are out the window. Correct. We, we've seen uh, injecting of children who have got no threat from virus, none at all, and yet they're, they're dying from the injections. We're seeing the violating, as you can see, from the doctor of the doctor-patient relationship. We're basically getting our advice from a health from a bureaucracy bobby and robert kennedy said this so clearly this is community health being put paramount community health is is a, is a combination of many many individual health cases right. there's no such thing as community health it's mm -hmm. individual health uh, over many times there's a doctor patient co uh, confidentiality has been smashed this is the first time that a product failure has been blamed on the people who don't use the product isn't it incredible? This is the first time, this is the first time where, we've, where we've had a, pa a deadly pandemic with no pandemic of death. The, the, the all-cause mortality figures are within the, the, the ongoing limits for, for, the, you know, for the past. There, there's nothing unusual going here until, Christine, uh, a couple of months after the injection started, then we saw the all-cause mortality, all mortality going above the upper range. And then we saw the government refusing to release the figures in a timely way, holding on to them. So we've seen two weeks to flatten the curve was the mantra for the, from these from our state uh, and federal governments. Two weeks to flatten the curve became three injections to get your freedoms, and that became three injections to keep your job and feed your kids. The governments have blamed COVID restrictions for all of the negatives, the, the decline in health, the decline in mental health, the suicides, the 20,000 teachers that have been stood down in our state because... That's 20% of our teachers. Our kids are suffering. Our kids are literally suffering physically. So some are being crippled by this because they haven't got adequate supervision. This is going on. Uh, we've, we've seen small businesses being told under, under uh, emergency measures 
to supervise and enforce health orders. We've seen small business being told they must be policemen. We've seen wealth transfer from small business to large billionaires. And Christine, we've seen this now, not only across the country, we've seen it coordinated internationally. We've seen Canada's Trudeau, we've seen uh, New Zealand's Ardern, France's Macron, uh, Biden in America, we've seen Merkel in Germany, we've seen our own Scott Morrison as Prime Minister, all using the same mantras at the same time. Build back better, uh, the great mm -hmm. reset, new world mm -hmm. order. They've all been putting this rubbish out. We've now seen that there's as insidious and as dishonest and as deceitful as these coronavirus controls were, we're now being faced with an introduction of the Digital Identity Bill, which has been copied and pasted from the World Economic Forum's Digital Transformation Program. Copied and pasted. And these bring in far more reaching, far more severe and far reaching consequences for control. They will include digital currency, cryptocurrency. They will include selling our data to corporations overseas so that the privacy of that data is lost. They will they include electronic surveillance of every cash transaction. They include banning of cash. These things, they're after complete control of our lives. And this is not me saying it. Mm -hmm. This is coming out of the government's own digital digital identity bill. So well, they're also they're also saying it in Davos. They're also saying it at the WHO. And, right. I mean, it, so you're seeing what we have seen here in the United States and we're seeing across the globe. Tell us about the election, though, Senator, in terms of our people waking up. You guys are, you know, you're you're in the home stretch now in Australia for your elections. What yes, are, yes. are people really getting from your opinion and your experience? Are they getting awake? We, we have seen that's the blessing of this virus scam. Uh, the virus exists and it can kill people, but no. Malcolm, you froze. Can you hear? Okay, can you? Okay, wait, okay, no, I can hear. I can hear you now. You're back. You're back. Okay. Um, the <laughs> the virus can kill people. We know that, right. but no more so than the seasonal flu. Typical seasonal flu. I've had it. Uh, I've now got the world's best immune system because I've got natural antibodies and I used ivermectin. Um, and and so the the point is that there's nothing unusual about this virus, but people now see that there's something seriously wrong in the way it's been managed. I say to people, and a lot of people now agree, that this has been comprehensively mismanaged. But the reason why it's been comprehensively mismanaged is because there was never any attempt to manage the virus, Christine. It was always about using the virus to control people. That's all it's been. The it's whole thing reset. is a scam. That's it's a great it, yeah. reset. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, so the people are waking up and what we've had in this country is a, a liberal national party, supposedly conservative government uh, at state and federal level and also Labor Party at, at sta some state level. And what we've seen is the whole of this scam has been these two sides of politics acting as one. They have been colluding, yet they maintain the illusion that they're, that they're disagreeing with each other and they're putting up viable alternatives to each other. That is complete rubbish. Their policies on many issues are identical. Their policies on towards coronavirus are identical. They're both incompetent. 
what we've seen now is people starting to realize we, we know this for, for many decades, but what we've seen now is the people waking up. We've seen young people in particular saying no more to hell with this. We're mm-hmm. registering to vote and we're going to vote and we're going to inform ourselves about the voting. And so we've seen, we've got a somewhat complicated system. Um, it's been made to be appear complicated, even though it's simple. The media has done that. The media has come out and said, as soon as the date for the election was announced, the media, which is corporate owned by the globalist predators, has been saying Labor liberal, Labor liberal, Labor liberal, Labor liberal. People are saying to hell with that. We don't buy it anymore. There are there are very strong, sound third parties that we need to look at. And what's been wonderful is that those those small parties, of which One Nation is a part, are now working together and becoming a united front. We, we stand alone, individually, separately, but we work together. We are sharing preferences. I won't explain that. We're not sharing preferences. We're recommending that when you vote in this country, you preference the other freedom parties. We're sometimes having joint candidate forums. We're saying to people, put the major parties last, put the freedom parties first, and everyone is, is really starting to wake up and do that. We, we've seen such a huge groundwork, Christine, towards the freedom parties, United Australia Party, our party, One Nation, Liberal Democrats Party, Informed Medical Options Party. These parties are doing really well. But sadly, a huge number are still asleep, of people are still asleep in this country. Well, <clears throat> we're finding that in the United States. Um and we're finding it in some other countries too, but I think that with the elections on the horizon, I think that if Australia has a, well, first of all, you guys are mandatory, mandated to vote. That's number one. Number two, if they do do the preference for, for one nation or some of these other, you know, medical freedom parties, that will be very helpful because the message will have been told to the two primary parties, no matter what the outcomes are. But do you see uh, do you do you see people showing up at these these joint events with the medical freedom oh, yeah. parties? Yeah, yeah, uh, and and the candidate forums now are very well attended, and people are are awake and they're asking very sensible and serious questions. And I've got to tell you this story: um, we had uh, a candidate forum in another state, and uh, a lady came up from the floor and asked a question. She said, "Look, it's for all all six candidates up here." Uh, I've got two questions. One is, have you heard of the UN's World Pandemic Treaty uh, mm. legislation uh, regulations? And secondly, what do you think of it? Now, there was there was a candidate there from the Informed Medical Options Party. She was a wonderful lady, probably mid sixties, but she wasn't very political, and she she admitted that, and she was kind of quietly spoken most of the night. Well, the chairman could see that she was just about jumping out of her chair to answer this question, and so he let her go first. And she came up and said. It's heinous, it's wrong, and we oppose it. And the whole audience burst into applause, started yelling and shouting and, and, and uh, really supporting her. Our candidate came up next and said, I agree with Kat, and we should get out of the whole damn United Nations. But the audience broke out again, you know, so, and then we've got a Greens candidate. She came up and said, I actually think that the UN's pretty good. There was very, very muted applause, from even from her supporters. Mm. And so people are waking up and the two title parties came up and said, yeah, we think the UN's pretty good. And they got shouted down. So people are waking up and they know where this is coming from. But ultimately, Christine, the person responsible for implementing UN policies in your country is your Congress and your presidents. 
you haven't had anyone stand up except for Trump in recent years. They've all that's just true. pushed it through. That's the true. same in this country. People blame the UN, but that's not the fault. The, the fault lies with our liberal labor nationals and greens coalitions. That's where the fault lies. We, we are now seeing the, um, the I think the, I think the people, Senator, that really need to be outed are the people who actually are the worker bees. For instance, when we found out that the HHS, which is uh, Health Human Services here in the United States, and the Biden administration wrote this new amendment to the WHO General Assembly, and this is an amendment to the 2005 International Health Regulations, and in that, it basically is giving up all health. It's beyond COVID. You know, it could be defined by climate change. It could be defined by a drought or famine uh, to the WHO and that the director general of the WHO with the six regional chairs worldwide would be making decisions about something with, even without the head of state of any of these countries. And this is giving up the sovereignty to the WHO. And that is like, that is next week. That is happening next week. And your country was one of them. Who is the person that decided that this was a good move? Well, it's very, very interesting. We've seen this go from a conspiracy theory within three days to being confirmed. Well, we have the, the other... documents. We have the documents. Yeah, that's, right. That's, that's right. We, we, I'll, give you, I'll give you our experience with it here. But Christine... In the past, what's been used to dismiss claims such as what you've just said is, oh, that's a conspiracy theory. No, mm -hmm. no, no. You're a lunatic. You're a, you're a nutter. You're, you're, you know, go oh, back yeah. to Mars. You've got a, a tinfoil hat. Um, but what people have seen is a standing joke in Australia. It's all over the country. Uh, what was a conspiracy theory six months ago is now reality. With this mm -hmm. one, it's a, it's a record time. It's gone from conspiracy theory last Friday when I raised it to being acknowledged and here's here's some of the things we we the united nations wraps lovely terms that you can't disagree with lovely words around its its inhuman practices mm -hmm. so people fall for their sustainability their biodiversity their climate change uh and the environmental language then they they fall for safety around the virus and 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 so on when we looked at this we saw the un and a number of our constituents had called us and said, what's this about a pandemic treaty? Well, we saw, we said to them up until Friday, we said, don't worry about it. There's a two year timeline of discussions which will lead to a 2024 decision about this. So we're mm -hmm. watching it, we'll keep you informed, don't worry about it. Then on Thursday, we got wind of what you're talking about. And mm -hmm. one of our staff went right into it and said, this is, in, this is inhuman, it's, it's heinous. And mm -hmm. they were talking not about the, um, the, the two-year timeline. They were talking about the World Health, I've got it here, the World Health Assembly, which you're General talking Assembly. about. Yeah. It the starts General the day after our election on Sunday, the 22nd of May, goes to the 28th of May. Mm -hmm. And they will vote upon, as you said, proposed amendments to the international health orders. And so that's all been hidden in the background. Now, this we is going didn't on. Know about it. I'll tell you something, Senator. We didn't really know about it here in the United States. That first piece of paper that came from HHS to WHO in January of 2022 was an amendment to that 2005 document. Then they made amendments to that January. That yep. became public in April. And that's when everybody all of a sudden said, whoa, 
this is this is going to happen. This is going to be on the table. And that's when there's 47 countries, uh, all of the EU, even Switzerland's part of it. The, uh, the UK is part of it, even though they're not part of the EU anymore. So that's 29 countries. India, why India? Probably because they do a lot of vaccine manufacturing there. Japan is on board. Uh, Australia is on board. There's no African countries off the top of my head. You had uh, Peru, uh, Uruguay in uh, South America. And so you, you have some of the uh, Caribbean, I think Jamaica, Dominican Republic, Canada's involved with this. And I kept on saying to myself when I saw the list, I thought, wow. So this is because they want to create a market to get into Africa. They want to create a market to get into the Middle East. They want to create a market to push out the vaccinations, the volume of the vaccinations that the foreign countries have already bought. Because in some of these draconian, this is what you need to look for in the contract. If you ever get the contract from the government of Australia, you need to look at whether or not any of these, because we know this to be true in other countries. If it's a U.S. pharmaceutical company, they want to have no liability because they have no liability for vaccinations in the United States. And some of these countries are asking for collateral because just in case, that just to make certain that if they do, if they are brought to trial. Now, how can they be brought to trial? Fraud. Yep. Fraud. So the other thing is, you know, as I said with Fauci, I think he's a genocidal maniac based upon what Robert Kennedy has written. Uh, comprehensive. There's, there's no doubt in my mind he's making money out of it. But the mm. money side of it is just is not the, the, the core part. The core part is the seeking of control. So mm. what these people want to do is, is based upon fraud, based upon. Fraud. Yes. Oh, yes. Without a doubt. But what mm. they're doing is that they're, they're trying to bring in controls. Um, and I don't know how many of your viewers understand this, but there's an international health orders, international health orders, regulations that are comprehensive guidebook to implement even worse restrictions than we suffered during COVID-19. So the, these are the measures that we have identified uh, and, and you probably are already aware. They specifically provided the new lockdown and the new regulations include lockdowns, hard borders around quarantine zones, vaccine mm -hmm. passports, mandatory check-in and contact tracing, mandatory health test, mandatory removal of people and mm -hmm. mandatory quarantining. Even worse, compulsory vaccination of the international health is part of the international health regulations and may be now forced on all Australians if this vote succeeds. So this is extremely important to understand that, and I'm sure you're aware of it, they can come into our country. Mm -hmm. They can, even, even without coming into our country, they can say, we believe there is a potential pandemic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No evidence, no appeal, no transparency, no fairness. On that basis, they can come into our country, impose those restrictions, impose those coercions on, and, and compulsory vaccinate people and just get on with the job and no one can hold them accountable. It's insane. I, would you have ever thought that you would ever see something like this in the 21st century? No, I would have thought um, that would have happened in, in Hitler's, in Hitler's um, regime. But Christine... The United Nations has form with mass killings, mass, mass deaths. The United Nations Environmental Program, which was started by the Murray Strong, who started uh, the global warming scam and the, which became mm -hmm. the climate change scam to get and put in place a tax regime for the United Nations to have a regular funding. He said in, in, 
the United Nations environmental program that he started in the early 1970s mm-hmm. went on a campaign to ban DDT. Now, mm-hmm. your EPA came up with the evidence that said there is no scientific data to warrant banning of DDT. But nonetheless, a political decision was made and it was banned. Now, DDT is used to kill mosquitoes, which spread malaria. Mm-hmm. It was banned for 30 odd years. And it came back in 2006 because the people wanting to well, eradicate you malaria. Still get the mosquito spray. I mean, you, you couldn't buy it. And you couldn't buy DDT, I think, at a huge volume. But you could still get the spray because I spent a lot of time in Africa. And I, yeah. we used the spray for that. And it had DDT in it. But it's- and they're also, they're also painting, painting uh, DDT on some walls in, in, Af- in homes to stop it. But the point right. I'm getting to is that the United Nations then banned DDT in 76, 30 years later, brought it back because it was so necessary for protecting human life. Mm -hmm. In the interim period, Christine, 40 to 50 million people died from malaria that could have been prevented. So Hitler was responsible, they say, for around 20 million deaths. Stalin, around 40 million deaths. Mao Zedong, around 60 million deaths. The world, uh, the United Nations body is responsible for somewhere between Stalin's deaths and, and Mao Zedong's number of deaths. They're on the, the senior levels of people who have committed atrocities resulting in mass deaths. The United Nations is as culpable as Stalin and as Mao Zedong. Well, if they, go, if, they, if they go along, if, and they, I mean, people need to understand, because a lot of people don't understand the international landscape, that the, the WHO comes under the UN. Correct. So whatever the, whatever the WHO does, it's with the blessing of everybody at the top. Of the, they, they, they enabled the World Health Organization is a crooked, corrupt, incompetent, dishonest body that enabled the, vac- the virus to spread out of China. They, they held up the rest of the world as response and defenses against coronavirus. They spread misinformation. They said it's not, transmiss- not transmissible airborne. It is. Mm-hmm. They, they lied about China. Uh, the World Health Organization has got its grubby paws over this whole thing. This is typical of the United Nations. In my first speech in the Senate in 2016, my very first speech, I called on Australia to exit the United Nations. They're a crooked, corrupt, incompetent, inhuman body. They're pushing so many scams around the world. They're pushing it to control people. The, the United Nations is working on behalf of the globalist predators of some major corporations, which we know they formed the United Nations for this purpose to control people. We know that they're trying to take over governance of countries and people who say that's ridiculous. Well, you don't have to be elected to be a director to take over governance of a country, of a company. It's the same with the country. These people people are are running countries. That's true. In some, in some areas they are, and they certainly are in, in war zones. So, um, By the way, Christine, by the way, you asked me about the impact on this election. So I raised Mm -hmm. this issue last Friday, uh, went public with with the World Health Conference and the threat to our sovereignty and the threat to individual liberty uh, from the United Nations. And I was stunned because people took notice of it. Normally, they, they, you know, this kind of environment and all the hoopla of election, they, they let it ride. But because of the people waking up over the virus, they're now attuned to the World Health Organization. And then what stunned me even more, instead of the media ignoring me and keeping it quiet and burying it, the, the media, a couple of journalists, asked the, the prime minister a question about it. 
and asked the opposition leader a question about it. And both of them were caught off guard and both highly embarrassed. But both of them said that they advocate for stronger uh, powers from for the World Health Organization. So they admitted that it exists. They admitted they want stronger powers. But never once have either of them or anyone in their parties raised this as an issue for the people to have their say on during an election campaign. They wanted to get Good through the election camp. Good get, to get through the election campaign and then just spring it on everyone. They have done this repeatedly, Christine, was, for all was, of the things. I, I was astounded uh, when I found out that some that there was a <clears throat> because there was an emergency act issued in Australia that the press in Australia really had to go along with the narrative for the COVID policy. So that, that, and I guess now that the Emergency Use Act has been, uh, is no longer, you know, per se, now they can begin to question. But a couple of friends of mine who are journalists said that they really couldn't, their, their bosses were not gonna allow them to ask the questions. Well, that's that, the point, the, the emergency. And, that's, and that's, that surprised me. That's surprising. A couple of things that I disagree with you on, on there. Uh, the emergency declaration do not, do not squash our press. The squashing of our press has been done by government contracts and the, and the threat of losing government contracts because the press is so dependent upon government because government has become a massive propaganda outfit. They're also part of the global predators that control the UN, that feed into big farmers. The same global predators own big farmer. They own a lot of the news, news media. Uh, they're making money out of this. Uh, there's only one narrative, same as the war in Ukraine, there's only one narrative, same as climate change, there's only one narrative, same as coronavirus, there's only one narrative, because they're aligned with the government. What we saw last Monday, this Monday past, was a couple of journalists asking questions as journalists should. We mm. have, and, and, they, and the Prime Minister and the Leader of the Opposition had to come clean. What we've seen through the whole virus issue is suppression of free speech, by the media, um, and we've seen that that coercion deliberately. We've seen the media pillorying anybody who dares speak up. So Pauline and I, we don't worry about it. She's a redhead, so you know what she's going to be like. Uh, Sorry. She, speaks Sorry. Up, she speaks up. Yep, she speaks up truthfully. She's got a reputation for that. She called out uh, the United Nations Agenda 21 back in 1996. I called it out once I learned about it. Um, and, and what we're seeing now, we've had a massive campaign, subtle, when I say massive campaign, I should say concerted campaign since I got into the Senate of educating people about the UN. We're now starting to see people waking up because the UN is just a front for the globalist predators, big pharma, the major corporations that control this planet, BlackRock, Vanguard. They're the people we should be really worried about there. The UN is just doing its, its, its their dirty work. That's all that's happening. Well, they're the executors of the larger plan, and it's all it's all profit over people. Malcolm, we have to go, but I want you to come back yep. um, after after the elections, okay? And stay with us and come back, you know, whenever you want, because I'd love to. Because this is this issue is not going away. This this is an international war um, for the sovereignty of every country on earth. I agree that, and and it's not only sovereignty of the countries; it is individual liberties, individual bodily autonomy, individual health. It's about our very lives, Christine, as you know. It is about murder. Um, I also would, would say I'd welcome joining you because I admire what you've done very much. And could you please, again, um, personally thank Robert F. Kennedy. Um, wonderful man. Wonderful man. I will. Send me a note and I'll forward it to him and I'll forward this broadcast to him as well. 
All right. Thank you very much, Christine. Good luck. Keep going.